0: Again, here on Hello Boxing fans around the world. Thank you for joining us once again here on Talk and Fight. So I'm joined by Christian von Sponk out of boxing247.com. And we're ready to uh, talk fight here. Uh, Canelo, one of our favorite subjects, uh, is up for discussion. And uh, a few other people uh, who've made the news and headlines of recent days. Uh, One of your favorite subjects is Canelo, pound for pound, the best. Uh, You've tackled this before quite well and argued that he's not. Uh, Do you want to to lead the charge on this again?
1: Okay, yeah. Um, I'm not a Canelo fanboy. I'm not a hater neither. And he's probably the second or maybe third best pound for pound. The first one I've got to put is going to be, obviously, uh, Usyk. He's he's definitely, I mean, cleared out cruiserweights, cleared out duck nobody, went into the heavyweights, effectively cleared that out, one belt to go, you know, that's up for debate whether he would win or not, but that is a pound for pound champion. Canelo, this is the difference. The problem is, is that I mentioned this briefly before, is that, and I've actually got stats in front of me now, um, or should I say good old box Rick? And I can actually quote things instead of speaking general. Now, right. he was undefeated, Canelo, up until he ran into Mr. Floyd Mayweather in 2013. Uh, obviously, Canelo wasn't at his peak then. And you had um, Mayweather, which was on the way down. So pretty much fair. Um, Mayweather won. rest is history. Okay. Cano then moves on. Um, He beats Angulo. He then, this is two fights after Mayweather, runs into Mr. Lara. And the problem is he won a close fight. He really did struggle. And he won a split decision. Because Lara was a mover. Now, I'm not bringing race into this whatsoever. Um, my best friends were either black, Indian, whatever. So if I mention the word black, not to be confused with anything else. But Lara, a black mover, a black boxer. And Canelo does not get on with these kind of fighters. Hence the Mayweather loss and the big struggle with Lara. So he got through that, skin of the teeth. He then... Ran into Mr. James Kirkland. Um, I think we should just leave that one there because Kirkland really wasn't uh, much of a a fighter. No disrespect, but, you know, wasn't top tier. Uh, He had a punch to him, but uh, that was it. And obviously he was exposed uh, two or three times now. He then ran into Mr. Amir Khan, who was moving up many, many, many weights. Um, Being outboxed for the first few rounds until he caught, you know, Mr. Khan, which was going to be inevitable. But um, he still showed that Canelo could be outboxed by a... Mover. And since then, and I'm talking about t- at this point 2016, with the exception of a couple, it's effectively been white non-boxers, mainly European. So I'm going to say Liam Smith, former world champion at the time. How was he actually, was it for the title? Um, yes, it was. It's when Liam Smith held it. Liam Smith, could good to domestic UK, um, wasn't regarded as one of the best at all in the world, but managed to get um, the world title. So Canelo well uh, picks on him to pick up another title there. Canelo um, then went into Julius Caesar Chavez, he was moving up in weight for that one. Um, okay, you know, isn't a great in any way but um you know decent fighter son of legend or the rest of it so i've just put that one to side then he cherry picked at the right time but baron you know, i've got to be fair to kenlo here that as much as i'm going to use the words cherry pick etc i'm not singling him out as the only one that has ever done it and whether it be the case in history or now but he does but it becomes more apparent as we move on uh, Mr. Golovkin, he had the uh, the two tussles with him, and you can argue who won it. Should it have be been a draw? Should it have be been Golovkin? Should it have be been Canelo? You know, there's, there's different uh, ways of looking at it. Um, there were close fights with uh, Golovkin, certainly at that point not his best, and certainly if they do meet for a third time, which is a possibility at the moment, uh, because this thing with the WBC, Malunga, uh, being a possible candidate at Cruiserweight seems to have gone very quiet. So Golovkin, um, not a boxer. He is a fighter. Very obvious. But I'm just making a point here. So the two tussles with him. Then Rocky Fielding, UK, who picked up a WBA, was it a regular title? I think it was. He went over to uh, the uh, European somewhere. He took somebody on. Actually, it's a good win for Fielding, but um, certainly was not considered a proper world champ, and certainly the best at that weight. But feasted on Rocky Fielding, knocked him out in the third round. Um, I think they pushed the boat out here, and this is when they went in with Daniel Jacobs. And this is when I think, as I'm scrolling up, bear in mind this is not pre-planned, I think this was the last black person who could move that he tussled with. Now, as much as it was a unanimous decision for Canelo, um, Jacobs did very well. He lost, but he certainly put up a very good fight. And at times, choosing my words right, Canelo um, did struggle. Um, Okay, so did he learn his lesson at that point? Well, next fight, he went up, and it is amazing what he did, to a certain extent. And he went up to light heavyweight to fight Kovalev, the, the, the champion on and off for a long time, who was way, way, way past his best. Sergei Kovalev, certainly not a mover, white. Uh, but the only thing I didn't like about that fight was Kovalev. Uh, sorry, Kovalev, let me just go into his prior fight. He went out with Anthony Yard. Now, this was on the 24th of the 8th of nineteen. It's 24th of the 8th, and that was a bit of a life-and-death struggle. Um, Yard, uh, at that point of the stoppage where Kovalev won, luckily, was ahead of points. Now, it all finished in the 11th round. It was a KO for Kovalev, but he looked awful. Yard was not experienced, good fighter but should not have uh, been beating a reigning world champion at that point. And uh, Kovlev wasn't what he was. But the point here is that the turnaround, I remember the fight being announced very quickly afterwards. I thought, what? this is really not right. Because that was the 24th of the 8th, and it was a draining fight for Kovlev. He then fights Canelo on the 2nd of the 11th. This was. So a good win for Canelo. Knocked him out. But this was Yard at the end of the 8th, so the ninth, 10th, two months later, no, a handful of days, two months later after a draining fight with Kovalev, not at his best. Very well cherry-picked. So, back on to the next uh, fighter's. He then goes in with uh, Callum Smith. Now, I will say that that was a very good win because Callum Smith was, at the time, rated the ring number one at uh, super middleweight. He had some good wins, but it's the style of fighter which he was confident in taking on, picking, however you want to word it, where, the, yes, he was unbeaten, he was, but he was a fighter, not a mover, a white fighter. Yes, we know that, uh, obviously, you know, he uh, won and he did a bit of a job on Callum Smith. Bear in mind, I think Smith was very as as lucky, but definitely the wrong wording. He did well, should I say, to last the distance there. I mean, Canelo was punching his arms, making his arms. They were completely bruised after the real mess. He couldn't even punch because his arms were numb. But what I'm trying to get at here is that he was, this is very cherry picking. And once he had learned his lesson with black movers, he went very white European. So let's prove the point. Next fight after that, my God, Avni Udirim. now the Turk. Now, this fight came around, and the argument there is that he was the mandatory. But the only problem with that is that Canlo actually asked the governing body for Udirim to be placed as mandatory so he could fight him without being a, a, a big uproar. What the hell? Really? Because he shouldn't have been in there. He didn't put up uh, any any kind of um, uh, defence, any kind of you know two two way traffic. Nothing was put up by Hugh Dearham, and that was uh, if I remember right, it was uh, retired in the third round. It was just a nothing fight. But Cano actually asked for him to be put as the mandatory. So oh, he's got faces mandatory. That is really not good. Next up, Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders had moved up to super middleweight. And was generally regarded as not the force as he was at middleweight, and very inactive. And certainly wasn't the fighter that beat Chris Eubank way back. So as much as he was more of a mover, and at times, so this has proven the point, he did cause Canelo a few little problems more than you know a, a lot of the uh, other white uh, fighters that he's, he's faced. Um, Canelo come through it. Um, you know, obviously Saunders retired with a, a, an eye injury. But it's the type of fighter he's facing, Caleb Plant. Yes, he was a champion; he was undefeated. But who was Caleb Plant's best victory up until that point, or victories? Was there a plural? Was there fighters beat of note that regarded anywhere, anywhere near the best at that weight? No. Um, Canlow has avoided. Um, you know, Benavides, there's, there's a long list of, uh, you know, Charlo's, whatever, of black movers around the weight that he should be fighting, that he won't fight. Based on that, he cannot be pound for pound best because he is not the best at each weight weight division in which he's venturing into. So, you know, moving on with Canelo, the next thing that was mooted, but it's gone all very quiet, was that he was given... Special permission. This permission seems to be coming a lot into things here of mandatories being being, uh, put in at Canelo's request. So he had to face the mandatory. Um, Ilonga Makabu, that was meant to happen as the next fight, which was with uh, the WBC Cruiserweight champion. Yes, it's a good feat moving up to that weight, but he's cherry-picking who it is. So let's say that he moved up to uh, Cruiserweight, and he would probably beat Makabu. This is somebody that was knocked out by Tony Bellu for the vacant WBC championship a number of years ago and was knocked out in the second round. Makabu is not the best at that weight, but they're choosing a weak opponent at cruiserweight. You know, how can you say he's the best at cruiserweight or light heavyweight after a, a, a drained Sergi Kovalev who had fought literally nine weeks prior in a very draining fight at the end of his career, picking Pelicho Saunders at a, a, a weak time? Um... You know, Rocky Fielding, who was not a proper champion as such, but it was regarded because of the WBA and how they do things as a, you know, champion by a WBA regular. Um, this is all not good. There's lots of fighters being avoided at each weight. Based on that, how can anybody call him the best pound-for-pound fighter? And again, I'm not hating here. Um, this is not something which is, again, um, you know, new. The example I gave, I think we briefly spoke about it before, as much as fighters have avoided fighters in the past. You know, a very good one, 1988, Sugar Ray Leonard, when you had the newly created uh, super middleweight division and they uh, matched Leonard up with Lalland, which was for the WBC super middleweight and the WBC light heavyweight, which uh, Lalland held. But it was fought at catchweight. It wasn't even at light heavyweight, even if the belt was actually on the line, really. Um, how can you how can that belt be on the line when you're not fighting at that weight? Don't get that one, but that's a separate story. Lalonde came in weight drained, his body was very flat. There was he was just not the same fighter. And effectively, yes, Leonard was quite handy in that fight, and he was going towards the end of his career at that point, but he was facing a weight-drained fighter. It is, you know, so what the point I'm trying to make is is not the first one with choosing this and picking that. But it, this is extreme. And the problem is, is that people are jumping on the fact that at first hand, it looks like, my God, he's gone up all the weights. He's beaten all these fighters. He's beaten the other super middleweight fighter. Um, he's beaten light heavyweight. He's going to move up to cruiserweight. Canelo, he's the best in the world. No, doesn't cut it for me. How do you see it? At least I've actually put some names to it now, and some dates and some more facts instead of just, you know, talking about it generally. How do you, uh, how do you feel with that?
0: Your your tip of the iceberg comments last time we spoke about this uh, sent me down a rabbit hole, and uh, it really do d- depends on uh, how you view the sport, if you will, depending on which side of the pond. Uh, because when it comes to pound for pound rankings, I think you get a different class of opinion, quite frankly, whether you're talking to an American or uh, a British analyst. Um, anyway, but I, 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 so since hearing your last argument, I, I said to myself, you know, let, let's see who he chooses. Is he, is he, will he pick that uh, Charlo fight or will he pick that B- Bivol uh, fight? And he, and he chose for less money, if I'm not mistaken, the Bivol fight, which supported uh, your argument quite frankly. So, uh, and I think the second one is the uh, triple G fight uh, as a two-part package as opposed to um, uh, Benavides. So again, um, yeah, but is he the best pound for pound fighter in the world right now? There are even some uh, British analysts who say no, Fury is in fact the best pound fighter. So it depends. I mean, even in, even in that grouping of British analysts, uh, they even put Anthony Joshua uh, in the top five in terms of pound-for-pound fighters. So, but you did start off the show by saying, in your opinion, uh, Usyk was, in fact, right now the best pound-for-pound fighter. Uh, but there were some Americans out there who argued Terence Crawford would be the best pound-for-pound fighter right now. Um, and there are there a few other names that are banting about, but not not. Not those that are in that higher class. Again, you'd mentioned Boxrec earlier, so it made me wonder uh, who the heck Boxrec. If so, <laughs> for the fans out there, uh, standing at number one according to Boxrec is uh, Canelo. Then, then Terence Crawford. Then Tyson Fury. Then Usyk. Then Joshua. Out of curiosity, if you want to know, the, the the others are Maris Bradley, Callum Smith, Yonte Wilder, Josh Taylor, and Arthur Betterbeef. So the th- those are all pound-for-pound pound, uh, fighters, as listed by BoxRack.
1: problem I have with a lot of those is, for example, Fury. How can you say that Fury is a pound-for-pound pound champion? He's great. He's probably the best heavyweight. But again, going back, um, and it's a word I just said a second ago, probably We don't know. We don't know if he's even the best heavyweight. And this is the whole point. What is pound for pound? Pound for pound is something in regard to multiple weight divisions the way I see it. Otherwise, if it's not pound for pound, you're the best heavyweight not the best cruiserweight or the best middleweight, etc. You've got to be the best, as far as I'm concerned, with multiple weights. Um, I've seen there's a lot of comments down here. There's one, got somebody making one clown Comment what black movers Charlo Andrade, not necessarily Andrade because down at middleweight. But uh, what I can say is just look at box record, look at anything, um, the top five, you know, whatever it's picked. There are multiple ones that he is uh, he, he is uh, basically avoiding. It's a fact, he is picking certain ones, you know, Kovalev. You know, there's multiple light heavyweight championships. Why did he go for Kovalev if that's not picking a fight and a best example? What is you know, he fought nine weeks. He's at the end of his career, nine weeks after a draining fight against Anthony Yard. He went in there and he lost. Now, that is cherry picking. Now, how could that be? A channel was garbage. My God, I suggest he goes back and look at a few more fights and uh, go down his record and not be so biased. Obviously, a Canelo lover. Um, Bival, Bivol. Um, Somebody which, um, that'd be a better fight because at least Bivol is is undefeated. He's a light heavyweight. He's regarded maybe as the best or one of the best. You know, there's somebody there that is not at a major disadvantage. But again, this hasn't happened. And I'm really, really curious to know why the WBC and this macabre thing, they've all gone quiet. I have not seen anything to report on. I haven't seen anything at all read them whatsoever. Um, don't know why. Really don't know. Let's look at some more of these. Uh, uh, yeah, just thought about biffle, biffle, biffle. Um, you know, open your eyes. Look at it. It's who has he struggled with then. And I'm just using this, choosing my words right. As it appears based on who he struggled with, that is what he is avoiding. I can only put it as clear as that. That at that point is not an opinion. That's why I said it looks like he is avoiding Because he had the struggles, obviously, as I said earlier, with Mayweather, reinforced by, obviously, Lara, very close fight, struggled with Jacobs. Everyone else has been white. They've not been boxers. Um, And they certainly haven't been the best, far from the best in each weight division that he has ventured and won as he's moved into it. That is a fact. That is not opinion. The Sergei Kovalev one, best example. Again, not opinion, not is a a fact. Uh, It it is a fact. It's not opinion. Um, Nine weeks. Really? It was a draining fight with Yard. He was losing. Nine weeks later, if that's not cherry picked and picking somebody for, you know, right pickings. Best example ever. How the hell anyone can argue that it's not cherry picking. I really don't know. Open your eyes and get your face out of his ass is all I can say. Ridiculous. Sorry.
0: So who would you pick to, uh, in your ideal scenario here, (laughs) who would you pick to fight Canelo and uh, knock him off his uh, perch?
1: Well, being fair, Bivol is is a better one. But how about some of the other people, any of the other black fighters, any of the other champions down at the weight he's moving away from? Name any any of them. And really, it would be a a thumbs up. Absolutely. Any. There's loads that are calling out his name, but he's going for Bivol or it's been Makabu. It's like he goes into a weight category, he gets a win, and then he runs out of it very quickly. Not saying he's not in the best uh, top five uh, pound for pound, but certainly is not number one. Number one has to be Usyk. He has cleared out a division. He has beat every other champion. He's moved up to heavyweight unbeaten at heavyweight he beat the champion and he's in line down the line whether it be next fight two fights three fights whenever to fight the winner of fury versus white when that happens we'll talk about that later um that is somebody who is a pound for pound fighter crawford again another one that's right up there but i don't think he should be because he's only won um you know championships at that one uh weight class you know, right. if um, somebody else i put right up there is Josh Taylor, as it comes up on the screen, who is about to move up, if he's successful, obviously, against Catterall at the weekend. Um, you know, he's going to be moving up in weight. That is a fact reported on that uh, year of twice now um, on, the, uh, on the website. Um, it is a fact he's going to be moving up. There's other challenges there. And obviously, Target with uh, Crawford would be a very good fight who will win. Let's see how uh, Taylor does at the weekend. Weekend against Catterall. Uh yes, Josh Taylor should uh, win absolutely. Um, but that's somebody then that if he went up there and let's say that he didn't beat, uh, he just beat another welterweight, but you know, but won a title. That is multiple weights, and I'm sure if it was, uh, I'm sure he won't be handpicking somebody, that's somebody that's going to fight the best. He will move up and he would fight Crawford. He would fight whoever. This is something which Canelo is not doing, which a lot of people are quite simply missing out for whatever reason. They're either blinded or just completely just sucked into this Canelo situation when I'm sorry, I do not
0: buy it whatsoever. Hmm. I wonder if nationalistic pride has a lot to do with how uh, Canelo is viewed in the boxing media and by fans. You know, he's beaten Americans. He's beaten British. He's beaten European fighters. You know, he's, he's Mexico's best. I wonder if Nationalist oh, is
1: abs- Absolutely. He's probably uh, Mexico's best, or with the exception of maybe Julio Cesar Chavez, um, you know, it's arguable who'd be the best because it obviously Canelo hasn't finished his career yet. Um, but I just think that without going down... You know, who's the best Mexican or best this, best that, based on how things are at the moment? He is just cherry picking. I'm just going to say I'm very repetitive with this. Um, he's cherry picking. And, but it is absolutely in your face, whether you want to see it, or as is the case with a lot of people, or not. It's just a fact. Kovalev, that situation all over again. Macabu would be the weakest of one of the WBC champions he'd it, it pick him off yeah he'd probably win but then i bet you he wouldn't face one of the other wbc champions it won't happen he would then go back down to light heavyweight and fight whoever would probably be the weakest at that point he then might um go down another way might, might venture down to super midweight because there'd be somebody there who is ready to be um uh, beaten that is cherry picking at its best i don't buy into it great fighter one of the best um, but certainly not the pound for pound which is just absolutely just going on and on all the time um, the reason why I suggested just bringing this one up uh, today was I just saw in um, somebody inviting me into some Facebook group which I don't usually venture into and there was somebody saying that um, there's a, a post up there that kind of was along this line um, I just thought you know it's, it's something to talk about today it's um I can't see it any other way, and um, unless unless you do, and somebody can talk me out of it, but I'm, I'm hard fast on this. Um, he doesn't like movers, a fact. He struggles with movers, fact. Funny how that uh, movers have been avoided recently, fact. How's that so wrong? I to, it, how can so? So and how can that be a, a clown channel? Yeah,
0: oh, really. Okay. the 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 bigger question might be: Is it? more a question of excellent management as opposed to excellent boxing. Uh, you know, is this the way the boxing game uh, at a strategic level is played out these days? Or has it always been this way? As you pointed out before, there are other examples yes. of cherry picking.
1: I'm just saying with this one, it's just the only reason why I'm just harsh with this one is because it is current, it is blatant, and he's been installed by many as the best pound for pound fighter. Okay, there's a question there, which says about uh, how after every belt holder at a weight, you fight cherry picking. Okay, again, the example would be, for example, he's had one fighter like heavyweight, Sergi Kovalev. He went there, he didn't fight Bivol. After beating um, Kovalev, he went back down. He went up there, beat the vulnerable fighter, went back down. No, I'm not hating Canelo because he is a very good fighter. He's not the first, but this is current, it is now, and he's supposedly the pound-for-pound best. And you can't be the pound-for-pound best if you don't even beat the best in that actual division. Yes, he's going into the actual divisions and beating a champion, or as was the case, super middleweight, and he wiped out all of them, but that was um, a one-off, I do believe. uh, As far as I'm concerned, it was a one-off. But until he goes into another division... Uh, and bear in mind, there's this fight, other fighters that are up and coming in the lower weights, where um, uh, he looks like he's he's headed now. Because I think he's going to go. Um, what was he uh, last at? He was uh, last fight was super middleweight. I don't. I can't see for any any reason. I can't see why. Um, I, I I can't see this WBC one um, happening because that was all confirmed. That you know happened at the WBC convention. It was agreed. The WBC said that yes, um, if McCarney wins or whoever was the winner of McCarney and his opponent was going to be the next fighter. I uh, was sorry. Excuse me. I've got my dog biting me down here. No. Um, it was agreed that uh, Canelo. That's you know absolutely for the title. Not a problem. You know whatsoever. Okay. Um, all gone quiet. WBC haven't mentioned it, haven't seen Kenon mentioned it. It's now moving on to other fighters. What's happened there? I don't know. But there's plenty of other fighters, the lower weight divisions, which are calling them out, and they're not getting mentioned whatsoever. Um, yes, he did 168. I'm just looking at one of the comments which are coming up now. That is the one thing this, you know. I'm not a hater. This is the thing, you know. He's but the, the people, the fighters, and this is just an opinion. The fighters super middleweight. This was fighters which were beatable which he was able to clear out absolutely he's great he's one of the best he cleared out that division but there's a division that was made for him and venturing moving out of that division bearing in mind there's other people coming up now which i think will give him a hard time Uh, and at super middleweight bear in mind you've got some middleweight champions that are willing now to uh, move up charlo can't see how but it's a possibility andrade is talking about moving from middleweight up to super middleweight how effective he would be i don't know but is he going to fight these kind of fighters i don't think so it's not going to happen at the end of the day you know another year could pass i might be talking up my backside and i could be completely wrong and he fights the best and clears up another division but apart from the super middleweight division and you know he has not for the best at each weight division and my point here my point here is exactly that you cannot be the pound for pound if you do not do that because he's ventured up again light heavyweight he would have fought one he'd beat you know kovlev he then to come out that weight division he then would possibly, let's say the WBC Cruiserweight Championship does happen with Makabu. He'll go up to that uh, weight division. He'll probably beat Makabu. Absolutely, because Canlow's a great fighter. Makabu's not a great Cruiserweight Champion. But he's not going to fight um, one of the other champions. He would then come down and I could be wrong. You know, come two years' time, he could be the undisputed WBC, you know, uh, sorry, the undisputed Cruiserweight Champion. My hat goes off to them. But at the moment, how it looks. And I've used that word exactly how it looks. It is very much looking that way. I can't say, you know, we're not I'm not in his head, I'm not in his training camp, um not in those discussions. We can't say he's definitely avoiding these people, but again, it looks that way. And I believe you someone's brought this up uh, for tougher opposition at Cruiserweight, the best there was. You know, you could only fight what is in front of you in a division when you're wiping out all the fighters, and there were good fighters at cruiserweights. You know, he's moved up to heavyweight. You know, he thought, okay, the, the Witherspoon one was a very flat performance. Um, the, there was a flawed performance with Chisora, but that was learning and his body adapting to heavyweight. Um, he went in there and he beat Joshua. He's got all the belts bar one. You know, that is ne- nearly wiping out two divisions. We certainly the champion, and there's this one belt missing, which is Fury. Who would win with Fury and Usyk? We don't know. Nobody can say exactly. Again, it's opinion, but he's very capable of, of wiping out the heavyweight division as well. And that shouldn't be somebody that's pound for pound. He fought everybody. However good or bad there were, he fought everybody a cruiserweight. And the cruiserweights at that point were quite good with the, the WBSS, uh, whatever it was, the... Um, the, uh, the... What was it? It was the... Uh, Help me out here. The they got everyone together. Come on, the Cali Sowlen thing. What's the word I'm missing, missing for the tournament? There we are. The tournament that's put together had all the best fighters. I don't think there are any uh, cruiserweights which were missed out uh, from from that tournament. Beat everybody. Um, but then moving up to heavyweight and doing what he did, only de Holyfield has managed to do that. And Holyfield is a great. Um, was pound for pound best back then, Um I just think I stand by you, sick. No, I'm a, not that I'm a great you, sick lover, or there's any hidden agenda with, with race, and I support him because I'm from over there or something, no, I just think that on merit, pound for pound, you know, pound for pound isn't just the best in your division, pound for pound is more than that, and this is why Crawford, I don't have him right up there, because yes, he's the best welterweight, for example, but how is that Pound for pound, I really don't know. And I think that people that fight in different divisions, that's how the pound for pound, and that's what it should be based on, just an opinion.
0: Fair enough. I've often said, and I'm going to uh, jump over to another uh, division. By the way, program. thank you,
1: Carl. Yeah, the WBSS. Yeah, but Tournament was the word I just couldn't.
0: Right. We both uh, agree that uh, Fury should beat White. Okay. And I've said, oh, but all it takes, and you've reviewed this too, all it takes is one lucky shot and uh, boom. Now, does Jack Catterall have a chance? I mean, he's the underdog going into this fight against Josh Taylor, but does does he have a chance? Does he have that that one punch chance of beating Josh Taylor Taylor this weekend?
1: Unfortunately, no. Lovely guy. Interviewed him uh, a few weeks ago. He's undefeated. But unfortunately, um, and opinion, there's nothing that he's got in any area that is there as a threat for Taylor. For Taylor, mm. Taylor ticks as it seems every single box. There's not one flaw, as far as I'm concerned, in his fight game. Um, it's got to be a Taylor win. It's got to be an early finish uh, win for him. I can't see it happening, but we've seen it in the past where you've had the complete underdog, you know, um, rise to the occasion who was supposedly outgunned in every department, Lloyd Hunnigan against Don Curry, all those many, many years ago. Um, he's a heavy underdog uh, for very good reason. Um, got nothing against Taylor. would love to see will um, uh, do it, but I just think he's outgunned. He's out everything in every department. He's a good fighter. This is a good fighter against, I think, a great fighter on Saturday. And with that in mind, it could only be one winner. But nice chap. Um, I've never seen him interviewed before, just went straight in, obviously, with interview with myself with him. Um, no, really, I wish him all the best. Um, but certainly uh, on the night, because uh, like Taylor, I mean, a best man win, but uh, only points to one. Unless Taylor is overlooking him, you know, this is what's happened in history when fighters, you know, possibly overlook somebody who is a, a way, way, way low underdog. Um, you know, that's the only way I think, you know, Taylor can't um, not lose the fight. He can, um, I don't know, it, it's, it could only overlook him, I think, with the, with the move up, which is going to happen. Uh, that's obviously if he wins. Um you know, is he overlooking him? I don't think so. But um, the press conference uh, that I went to and with the interviews there with Taylor, um, he said he's taken him seriously. There's nothing there whatsoever in mindset, as it appears. He's saying all the right words. You know, is he deep down, um, you know, underestimating uh, Cattrall? I think he's too professional to allow that to happen. And um, don't look for a distance fight Saturday, unfortunately.
0: There were some comments about there not being uh, any bad blood between those two fighters uh, until uh, the press conference. And uh, then apparently uh, Jack said something that irked uh, Josh, and uh, you know that got under Josh's skin, and now there is some bad blood between the two, so there is some animosity that might uh, spark this one to a whole new level. And uh, we look forward to seeing a good fight at the end of the day. Just asking you then, um,
1: just whether we can put this pound for pound subject to rest with Canelo, who do you honestly think, forget what I've said, who do you think should be up there as number one?
0: Uh, You know, uh, there's some of the uh, names we haven't mentioned for a while, Uh, Lawrence Acoli, I like him, Um, you know, uh, But, but pound for pound. He's only no,
1: just—he's only just won the WBO title, and he hasn't defended it against anybody no, great but I'm yet.
0: Just, I'm just saying there are some up-and-comers to take note of. Um, uh, we haven't mentioned Sonny Edwards in a while. Um, you know. when it comes to like uh, really great fighters um, on a pound-for-pound pound level. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, a year ago arguing, you know, Canelo was the best pound for pound. Uh, but you made such a strong argument. <laughs> I'm really, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm really searching uh, the box rack uh, listings. I mean, and I, and I, I, you know, uh, not solely and exclusively, but I can't figure out, because they have a point system to determine who's the number one in terms of pound for pound. And if you just take a look at the difference between the points that Sal Alvarez has at the top there, he's 653 points. The number 20 fella is Brian uh, Castano, and he's 145 pounds. So between the number one pound-for-pound pound and the number 20 pound-for-pound pound fighter, uh, you have, you know, about a 500-point difference? Uh, so I actually, I don't know how they uh, score their points um, to, to determine those rankings. But uh, when it comes down to it, um, one, of, one of the good fighters we haven't mentioned, uh, who I do like, on a pound-for-pound pound basis, is George Gambosis? Uh, I'd be, I'm curious to see how he fares this upcoming year. Um, you know, the the Charlo brother. Well, one of them is probably in jail now, but uh, <laughs> you know, sadly. But uh, but the reality of it is, is uh, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I, I Chris Eubank, and uh, he did some. You know, he's I mean, anyway. There, there are some good fighters out there elsewhere in the world to talk about. At different weight levels, that are young, that are rising, uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, but who the, the do you win- have as number one?
1: Who is number one? Not could be uh, maybe down the line. What's your pick?
0: Craw- Crawford.
1: How would you see him fare if he changed weight divisions? Do you think?
0: Hmm. I still think he has them. Um, uh, shall we say? Uh, I don't know how to say this managerial slash political issues to deal with first. Um, but uh, on a pound for pound basis, he's a super strong fighter. He's he's got that grit determination that I do like. Uh, I don't like the fact that he's he doesn't how do I say this? He doesn't say the right things. He doesn't say anything at press conferences that make make anyone like him per se. But uh, as a fighter, I think he's a really great fighter. Um, you know, and, and I just think his his what will happen to his career this year, to be blunt, will just be interesting. I, I'm lo- really looking forward to seeing who he's going up against next. Um, but again, I think that's a question of management and uh, the politics involved in his attitude.
1: Okay, here we go. Now, last bit of boxing. We'll give him a proper mention there. Carl, right, your comments. Why no mention of Fury? Now, the problem with Fury being pound for pound the best, he's not proven yet that he's the best at heavyweight. So how could he be a pound for pound best? I think I'll leave that one there. I think that gets answered. You know, if you're not pound for pound, or if you're not proven to be the best in a division, I'm not saying he isn't, because I would have to say if that he fought Yusick I think that Fury would win. But it's not proven yet. You've got nothing tangible to work with. And the reason why I say there's nothing tangible yet to work with is because Fury, as a champion, is based on three fights with Wilder. Bearing in mind, up until the Fury fight, people, everybody, were dissing Wilder, calling him the worst heavyweight champion in 30 years. This was, until the fight with Fury, that was the viewpoint of Wilder. So, Fury, apart from the points division, uh, the points win over a very aged Vladimir, that was, by the way, I do still think that that is his best win. Him being the best heavyweight is based on three tussles with Wilder, who was regarded as an awful, I think it's unfair because I actually did rate Wilder for various reasons, but was based on three wins, kind of, over Wilder. So, how could Fury be the best? Heavyweight. He's not the best heavyweight because there's another champion. It's not proven yet. There's nothing tangible mm. to work with. That's why I no mention of Fury. Um, Chris Eubank, I'll leave that with uh, Graham with that. The obsession with pound for pound, having to jump up weight classes. Well, this is the point pound for pound. How else, you know, moving up different weight classes. What is pound for pound then? What is it? It's how a fighter, how good the fighter is within that division. Uh, point one. Now, how the fighter is in that division. Canlo, apart from 168, has not been the best in the divisions or the recent ones which he's ventured into because as of what was said earlier. Now, I just think that by the obsession with moving up and around weight classes is that it gives you an idea of how that fighter fights against other champions in different weight classes. Otherwise, what's the point of having them Who's pound for pound the best? you know, what are you gauging that against? Well, you're not gauging against people in that weight class because that means you're the best in that weight class. So it must be, you know, when you think of the pound for pound, it must be how they would uh, fare against the other champions if they were in the weight division, same weight division. Well, how could you do that? And how could you gauge that? Then well by moving weights, if that makes any kind of sense. That's why I, I think that pound for pound should be based on some kind of move to another weight. Otherwise all you're doing is is, is basing it on how you think that person would fare against another champion if they met at a neutral weight. Well, how about gauging it on if somebody actually does move up in weight and face against another champion? For example, Josh Taylor, if he beats Cattrall, he moves up in weight. Let's say he faces... um, Crawford, and I could really see that fight happening because Crawford doesn't duck anybody and Taylor doesn't duck anybody. That would be a huge, huge, huge fight. Um, that would gauge more, you know, especially with Taylor, if he if he, if he claimed those two outright um, weight divisions, you know, definitely, definitely number one. I mean, he's arguably, for me, just in, in my world, number two, number three, around there. You know, top five, what are you looking at? Canelo Crawford, Usyk, um, Taylor um, you could search around in the, the lower weight divisions but the problem I have based on how I like to judge personally pound for pound is obviously moving up in weight so obviously the lower you go the easier it is to move between the classes anyway um, and same can be said as well with with women's fighting you know they they can move saying that that's all a bit different because they move up in weight and get multiple weight uh, championships because of the the depth within women's boxing is not very deep uh so that's a bit of a a separate one but no my obsession with just going straight back full circle back to the question is that i think the the weight classes and my obsession with that is you know seeing how a fighter will fare against somebody else in another division otherwise what is pound for pound somebody else tell me if i've got the wrong end of the stick what pound for pound is it's how dominant that person would be and would fare against another champion or another fighter. Have I got it wrong, Graham?
0: No, no not in my book. Um, what changes in there? Scenario- what,
1: what else can it be? If it's not how one would fare against somebody else, how? What other tangible um, variant can there be? With what else could it be? Have I got pound for pound wrong?
0: No, Have so you ever I, heard so any
1: other
0: how somebody would
1: fare against somebody else?
0: A good, a good example of great pound for pound would be Manny Pacquiao. But uh, here, here's the Absolutely. intangible. Right. So Absolutely. the intangible, the intangible here, I boil it down to is uh, management. So here, here's a great example. Here's, a, here's a screaming headline. Eddie Hearn reveals he has urged Calbrook to snub Chris Eubank Jr. fight for a British blockbuster against Conor Ben after a successional victory over Amir Khan. So I'm just saying like that's, you know, it's not really necessarily, shall we say, up to the fighters who they want to fight, it's who their promoters are, are setting them up against on, on a toe-to-toe basis. So they're, they're, that's a peculiar intangible, but it, it occurs in this world of, of boxing. And it's not one that we often have to deal with, uh, you know, or talk about, but it is something that obviously the fighters have to deal with themselves. Uh, because the fighters they may want to fight aren't arguably the ones that their promoters want them to fight. So um, th- th- that, that headline kind of, for me, says it all. Because I would like to see the best of the best always go toe-to-toe. But typically that might not make sense uh, if you're a promoter looking for uh, you know the pay-per-view audience that exists, say, in the Americas right now.
1: Lost Bell boxing with your comment about Conor Ben. All I can say is uh, David Avenishian. That fight should should happen as an acid test to see exactly how he's like apart from uh, fighting uh, live people. Yes, but I just want to stick with pound for pound at the moment. This sure. is the we've been talking about pound for pound today. Who would you rank? Because what's going to happen is that, you know, we're going to automatically think all these people throughout past history, and there's going to be fighters which are going to miss. That's going to happen. But who do you think is the best, one of the best, um, all-time pound-for-pound fighters? Name me a uh, Well, Manny yeah, Pacquiao, that's... you've already named one. Absolutely. Yep. It's going to be top five ever. So who else?
0: Yeah. Um if you go back to uh, the '80s, you had those amazing fights, like um, Tommy Hearns and uh, and uh, uh, not not Shigure Leonard, Leonard. Uh, am I thinking?
1: You had Roberto um, Dren, your Roberto Dren, Hearns,
0: the the the, the quartet. The, those guys put on an amma- absolutely amazing fight. Yeah, they're let's, let's him
1: Because he, he was just a middleweight, yeah.
0: <laughs> but the the brilliant fighters. Uh, and always stimulated fan interest, uh, including my own, um, you know. And, I, and 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 so when I when I th- think about pound for pound, I think about names that I recall, like just quickly off the top of my head. And although I couldn't remember the fourth, uh, the point of the matter is is that was the 80s. Um, but the reality of it is is you know I, I go I go you know Pat, Manny Pacquiao dominated for a while. I, I'm not a big big huge fan of Floyd Mayweather. Uh, simply because I don't think he has an undefeated record. I think he lost uh, th- three fights, quite frankly. Um, so he's Castillo, not Castillo,
1: the first one. Yeah.
0: yeah. So so anyway, so the you know, but Manny Pacquiao as uh, a gutsy pound for pound fighter will always be top in my in my book. Um, but, and and i I you know we have talked uh, on our channel about the uh, murderers row fighters from the forties. But I don't want to go back that far uh, because a lot of those fights you can't even see; they're not even on; they're, they're simply not available. But I mean, I would go back to you know names I can recall quickly. Uh, you know, other, other than the, the heavyweight division that I followed as, as a teenager back in the 70s, um, you know, when when, uh, when Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were, were, were headlining practically every week, uh, you can't really avoid those kinds of names. But it's hard to argue on a pound-for-pound basis these days whether they would even um, be able to, to go toe-to-toe against some of these absolutely massive heavyweights that are entering the ring. So it's it's hard to argue uh, pound-for-pound from fighters in a day gone by versus fighters today who have a tremendous advantage, I think, uh, in terms of the, the the training that they go through these days as opposed to the training they went through say, 20, 30, 30 years ago. Um, I mean, the, the, the technology has certainly changed things these days for fighters. Uh, the medical assistance they have, the psychological assistance they must have these days, we put them, uh, you know, inches above the competition of a day gone by. Uh, you know, you, you talk to uh, Tim Witherspoon, for example, as we do, and he'll tell you, you know, his, his training regimen was so simple you know, compared to what these fighters go through today. Uh, so when, I, I can't really compare pound for pound from yesteryear compared to pound for pound today. And, but, but spanning that gap would be Manny Pacquiao. Well,
1: here's another modern day one or semi modern day. And I'm going to get shot for this. By the way, we've lost the, the comments, which is a shame because we were getting some really good. Um, well, I've lost the comments anyway. Looks yeah, like you're in bed link, blah, 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 I was uh, lost. Anyway, the one I'm going to bring into the equation now, and I know momentarily I'm going to get shot for this uh, because it goes against everything I said earlier where I mentioned obviously somebody going up in weight, beating a champion, and then going back down in weight um, when they haven't faced the, the best in that division. But the person I'm about to mention is not based on their um, extreme weight climb and succeeding in that division. It's based on what they, okay, the fighter beat around the bush here, Roy Jones Jr. Mm. Now he went up to heavyweight and I'm not condoning this because this is doing exactly what canelo did um or could be doing with the wbc you know with macabre at cruiserweight i mean he'd go up there he could win that if that fight ever happens and i tell you he would leg it straight away absolutely okay now jones did the same thing he went up obviously to heavyweight he beat the wba champion uh john ruiz who's one of the weakest heavyweight champions ever um and then he went back down to light like, heavy heavyweight Um, okay, he he lost in the second one with with Tava, the rest is history, the rest of it, because that was his downfall. And we've spoken about fighters that move up in weights and then back down in weights towards the end of their careers. It finishes them, but that is a different story. But, you see, for me, Jones was a great, pound for bound great because of the divisions that he conquered. Bear in mind, he turned pro at light middleweight. He won championships. At middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight, I won't say uh, cruiserweight because it was only the, what was it, the IBO, or I think it's the IBO he won, but uh, we, we take that equation, that, that out the equation, so at the top four, yeah, middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight. But I'm basing him on being one of the best pound-for-pound fighters with the, you know, with. Obviously, the victories and the people he fought, middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight, didn't avoid anyone. I don't know, actually, light heavyweight, you had the Polish champ, uh, the WBO champion, uh, can't pronounce his surname, but he was was, uh, unbeaten at the time, long reigning WBO champion, when the WBO was still lightly regarded. But I think, I I was about to say, I think Jones avoided him. Um, It was... The fight didn't happen for whatever reason. That one fight aside, he fought everybody and beat everybody in those three weight classes. That is somebody that was a proven winner, champion, and for me definitely pound for pound greats. Up there, top five ever. Um had somebody uh Alumno got trying to think who uh, come up in the comments earlier. You had... Um, Oscar,
0: Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya,
1: Absol- absolutely. That, great example, and that's one that, I'll be honest with you, I would, would have forgotten if I was rattling them off right now. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Mayweather, I know you personally don't like him. And yes, I, th- I think there are some questionable decisions. Um, I mean, the, I think the first fight, Mayweather with Castillo, I thought the first one, Castillo won. Even if Mayweather did... Um, quite convincingly, win the the rematch. I thought the De La Hoya fight with Mayweather was very close. That was a a split decision victory for Mayweather. That's questionable. Um, But those aside, I still think um, that he's one of the best, pound for pound best. Um, Some mentioned Henry Armstrong. There's there's a number of them. I'm showing about the comments because we could have brought up a a great list. But um, full circle... Back to my point, just again, with this obsession with weight classes. I I want to look at what exactly is what the supposed definition of pound for pound is. Because my interpretation hmm. always has been how that fighter, again, how that fighter will fare with the other champions. Well, you know, how can you compare them if they don't actually fight each other. So if someone's going to fight, move weight classes, and go up there and fight them, win, lose, or whatever, then you've got one way of actually gauging them instead of just, you know, fantasy. Um, I stick with that. That proves it. I don't think it's the outright... um, I think it's the main factor, I personally think, with who should be the best. Or if you've got a number of... Say, for example, you've got a top five. And say, for example, you had like... um, Taylor, as an example with uh, Crawford, you know they're great champions in their division. Fury, a good champion in division. We don't even know if Fury's the best heavyweight. Um, I've lost the point where I was, was going to make with that one, but you, you know you, you, it's if, you yeah, that's me? it. If if they were all if you had, say, for example, top five and they're all they hadn't ventured out in their weight class, how can you tell? who then is the best without, if they don't go out of it and go out of their uh, comfort zone. I think by doing that um, separates as a fighter, the men from the boys, it's okay being a champion. It's okay being a dominant champion, but if you then test the water, test yourself and do things that other fighters don't do, and that is change going up the diff- different divisions or going down bad move, but, um, you know, that would, for me, separate the men from the boys. If it was all equal with all the fighters, if they are all hadn't ventured out the weight class, etc., and they were just each one just dominant in their own division. Uh, if you had somebody that was dominant and done it in different classes, that person um, will actually be top of the tree for me. That person would be Usyk or Canelo. But Canelo, for me, cherry picks. Usyk doesn't. So, for me, Usyk, number one. Canelo, number two. Followed by Taylor... Crawford, etc. That's how I see it. That's my reason behind it. But, um, again, an opinion. That's how I see it. Might not be popular, maybe, whatever. But uh, that's my take on it. And, uh, that's what I wanted to bring up today. Only because of what I saw yesterday. Um, but I see it a lot anyway, but I, I don't get time for forums, etc. Um, but I just, you know, briefly flick around. You see, can load the best, can load the best. Really? Right. You know, take away the hand-picked fighters. There's some great wins there, and he is a great fighter. There is no doubt in that. You cannot doubt that. But these extremes—it's it's too much cherry-picking. Um, you know that WBC. You know, uh, fight with McHardy has gone dead quiet. But on the subject of the WBC, and I think we can come away from the you know the Canelo situation now. If that's all right with you, unless you want to talk more Canelo, um, is the WBC and. A bit of news this week that was a bit odd, and I'll explain why, was the signing, um, or the pen to paper as such, with uh, Dillian White and Fury. Now, if I remember, let me get it right. Fury signed for the fight. Sorry, White signed for the fight, and he did it on midnight, whatever night it was. Uh, Was it Monday night? I think it was. Um, The deadline was 6 a.m. GMT. So, six hours before the deadline he signs big news reported on it, et etc, et etc, but it's not even on the w b c website, and he signed, and it's like, and there's nothing that signature that signing on the line had to be done to possibly keep it alive because there was a deadline, but again, it's gone very quiet to the extreme of the WBC it's not even on the website that he signed I thought you know I did my post wrote it posted it got in there quite early lots of hits from it fantastic the WBC curious to what they say about it and nothing odd but well, we don't even
0: know we don't even know where it's going to be or when it's going
1: to be right they're saying April the 23rd um, it's likely to be Wembley with uh, Cardiff Principality uh, Stadium as the second choice. Um, they're saying that because they've just got the situation with if they're going to have that many fans or the rest of it and there's still COVID thing that's going on even if restrictions in the UK are or have completely uh, lifted etc they're saying that that being open air or the rest of it but then again isn't Wembley well, there was some reasoning behind it with the with with the way that the, uh, the ceiling is with the, the stadium, that, that could be the viable option. But it's looking like Wembley, it's looking like 23rd, but that is nothing new anyway. That was what was been floating around for uh, quite a long time. Because, um, again, I was writing that, posted it, and then I went back to a previous post a couple of two, three weeks prior, and... It was still that rumoured date then. So there's nothing new apart from, effectively, White had to sign on the dotted line. Otherwise, you know, the the deadline would have been breached. So do we know any more about the fight, really? No. Do we know anything more about um, the rematch with Usyk and um, Mr... I'm sorry, I was working till five thirty last night. I'm
0: Anthony Joshua.
1: Yes, Mr. Joshua, the rematch <laughs> there. It's all gone very quiet. Um, yes, we know more. We know no more really about the heavyweight division. Who's definitely going to be fight, fighting? Who, on what dates, and in what order, and or whatever. We know no more. Um, I just think that that was a bit of a um, a false. Um, hip, hip, hooray, Mm. that it's finally been sorted because Mm. he had no choice. Mm. Um, There's still supposedly arbitration with Dillian White and the WBC, what they're trying to sort out there. I don't really know because I thought the purse situation had been sorted out. And by the way, I love that way. Uh, I don't usually sort of sing the praises of uh, the WBC, but I love the way in which how it's been done with the split, with you've got the the total purse, they take 10% out of that, With what's left, Fury getting 20%, White, sorry, uh, Fury getting 80%, White getting 20%, then that 10% of the gross amount that was taken out then goes to the winner of the fight. That, I think, should be done more often because it gives that person more uh, motivation to uh, win the fight. You know, Mm. winning for whatever title or or whatever should be enough motivation anyway. But um, as is the case in some fights, it's not. Um, but you know, and the problem it has when where you have you know a split where, for example, white being given twenty percent is not he's not happy with it. Well, then with that other ten percent, that will bump it up. If he's that confident about himself, win I just think it's a, I think it does save a lot of arguments. Okay, eighty twenty is extreme, but if that's how it runs and that's what is agreed and that's how the WBC do it, then you know they can't complain. He better win, and then he'd be the one that be able to uh, claim that amount of money but the way they've done that uh apparently they've only done it once before i think that's such a good way of doing it because this thing that you know winner take all i think it's crazy because as much as a fighter may truly believe that they are going to win the fight or the rest of it if you don't to go through everything that you've done and you know paying for all the the, the camp etc etc and you know paying for the team and paying for this that and the other and not getting any money is a bit harsh uh, i think somebody would be very stupid um to ever try and, I wouldn't say call all the rest of it, but it has happened a handful of times in the past. Um, But doing it that way, I think, is
0: is great, really good. Ed, do you think it's a good idea? Yeah, and I would I would argue that it's probably uh, Eddie Hearn flexing his muscles. Um, no,
1: because he hasn't had much to do with this with White, and this is something really? that's there's a little there's a little bit of mystery over this one because. He's Right, White is self-managed. Now, I thought, Hearn, I'm guessing like yourself, thought that he was the promoter of White. But apparently, a hmm. um, chap from Boxer has had something to do with it. I'm saying the words, right, apparently, blah, 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 blah the rest of it. Because hmm. no one has said absolutely 100% for sure what has been going on with, because there's a lot of cloud, there's a lot of mystery over this whole thing. First thing, why is it so quiet? And who is the person actually um, sorting this all out? Surely it was meant to be Frank Warren. Um, Well, he's the one that's going to be paying the money. He would have been in in the mix. But why would you have Ben Shalom from Boxer in the mix as well? You know, these are rumours. They are unconfirmed reports, but... No smoke without fire. There's got to be some truth in it. Heard different things, but that's the most consistent thing. So was it Eddie Hearn? Apparently he's not had a lot to do with it. Just a rumour or unconfirmed <laughs> report. Um, but no, the WBC, they, they've done that. I, I don't know what the fight was. They've done it once before or twice before. Um, but I, I, it's, it's great. I just think that should be done more. Um some motivation you know i like it when you have the purses for the fighter for the fighters and then the promoter will say you get an added bonus if it's a knockout or whatever i think uh you know that gives them a you know some fighters come for the payday and i think it really does give anyone that's got any form of negative mindset over the fight in any way i just think gives them that bit of psychological nudge push whatever i think it's good all right, if this is going to be a review preview, um, bear in mind we're now uh, an hour and six minutes into this. Um, Amir Khan versus Kell Brook, your take.
0: Um, no surprise to me. Um, you know, I, I, I think Amir Khan is, a, is was a great fighter, um, but his day had come and gone. And uh, I'm sorry, but the, the outcome for me... You know, a lot of people ask me point blank on uh, on a lot of the social platforms who I was picking, and in one word, I said Brook every time. Uh, there was no explanation necessary. I just thought that's who was going to win the the fight, and I was right. So
1: it was always down to, and it's an obvious statement, as I said last week, but who had what left, and the question was answered right. that uh, Khan had less left, so hence the outcome. Um The one thing that is A little bit of a shame, um, possibly. Again, it's opinion. It's an opinion. I might get shot for this. Is that Brook looked really good in it? Now, absolutely. But his damaged eye sockets did not get tested because Amir Khan had less to offer in that fight than Brook did. Right. So, as was the case, Brook was completely unmarked. Khan was far from it. And now, what's going to happen is that. In a way, I get it that he's gonna go in with some other young lion. Um, this is where you will see Brooke beaten, and it could be a bad um defeat. Brooke, don't get me wrong, looked really good. Yeah. He looked very good. But putting it into context, Brooke looked really good against Crawford with his you know the prior fight to Khan. He looked very good against Crawford until getting caught by Crawford in the eye socket. And then the fight was effectively over at that point. Brooke looked good in that fight. Brooke looked good in the Khan fight. So nothing has changed with that and we can't gauge his eye sockets. Um, The only way you can gauge the eye socket is how it was with Crawford who's not a particularly heavy puncher. And once he was caught uh, cleanly on that socket it was good night for Brook. Right. If he goes in with the Young Lion, which would be another cash-out fight, um, again, he will do well, but until getting caught in that ice socket, whichever one, because both now have got titanium plates. Obviously, one from the Golovkin fight, one from the uh, dispense fight. Um, they're both screwed. Unless the person doesn't put a, a hand on him, like Khan wasn't able to do. Um, I think that is an accident as such waiting to happen um that's it really um but no well done brooke um Khan, great career obviously leave that one there right this weekend we've got two fights we've got taylor versus catterall and we've got Akoli, one of your favorites versus the polish chap mikau shishlak i've learned the pronunciation the pronunciation of that one right now um your predictions from what you know about those fights
0: I'm I'm running with the Coley. and uh, although I like I <laughs> I always like underdogs, and I always try to pick a reason for the underdog uh, to deliver that 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 have that have that chance of delivering the one blow. Uh, in this particular case, uh, I asked you early enough in this conversation, so uh, I'm I'm going to go with a Josh Taylor victory and uh, a Lawrence Coyle victory as well.
1: Completely agree, yep. Yeah. It's going to be a Josh Taylor victory. Now the Akoli one. Um, do you know much about his opponent, Shishlak? Not much, no. Okay, one defeat only, which was against uh, WBC Cruiserweight Champion. Always oh, come up in a conversation again. Uh, Makabu. Apart from that, he's got a good record. He's a solid fighter. Um I would say, I was about to say fringe world, but he can't be fringe because he's going in with a world championship, so he's got to be considered uh, world title material. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, an Akoli victory. Uh, but Shishlak, he, he looks strong. He's very game, very capable. But I do think Akoli, um, especially now that he has... Improved as a fighter because uh, go back a handful of fights ago um, was not looking too good at all. One of his fights that I can't remember that the chap uh, it was a domestic fight. It was voted by many people as the worst, one of the worst fights ever. And if you go on YouTube and put in worst boxing matches in history, it actually features many times in there. It was the most record amount of clinches or something in the fight. Right. It was awful, yeah, but he's got his he's got his act together. He's champion. He's defending it well. Um, He's going to be moving up, I think, at some point. Um, the only problem, I think, with him moving up, I mean, he's got that that, that frame, which, and bear in mind, he's young as well. Yes, he's going to move up. Now, I don't think he's going to... Would he go straight up to heavyweight? I don't know. Would you really want to go from uh, you know, cruiserweight up to heavyweight with how the heavyweight division is at the moment? Because bearing in mind that the problem you have is how hot it is, actually, at the moment, I think it's a good division at the moment with who right. is there and who's coming up. And... I think that the competition's too strong there, and the problem is even if you were put into the mix, when are you going to get your shot anyway? With as we discussed last week, you know it's, it's not going to be, you know, if you're a mandatory, you're probably not going to get a sniff of anything for about two years or something. So when would you know what would you get by moving up to the heavyweight division? So what is there in between? Well, you've got the WBC brazierweight, who's got Oscar Rivas as the uh, champion, and I do rate him as a fighter. It's um, very good. One defeat against Dylan White. That is it. Um, he's going to move up, I think. Not a choice. But how his future holds moving up, I really don't know. But back to Sunday night. Sunday. Sunday night's fight um, with Shishlak, I think it's going to be a late, uh, be a late stoppage or or points victory. Uh, but I think Shishlak is going to come in very game. I interviewed him as well uh, a few weeks ago. Um, very, very difficult person to interview. First off, uh, via interpreter, and apparently the interpreter wasn't doing a very good job because of there was a, a lot of comments on there um, from people on YouTube, and they were saying that. Oh, hold on a second, the person interviewing didn't say that, and they're like saying this, this guy who's you know useless. Um, I did recheck it because I know some Polish people and I rechecked the pronunciation and they said, yeah, completely wrong. Anyway, what I got from that interview and he wasn't saying much, he wouldn't give anything away. He was very closed. Um, he seems very confident. He's got Poland absolutely backing him. There's a lot of people saying, and the new, it's going to, it's going to happen. It's going to be new world champion. He's going to win it. But I think that is looking at a Kohli of past, not the role which Coley is on at the moment. He's right. now on fire. Yes, he hasn't fought any great fighters while he's on fire, but what is a definite fact is he's better than what he was. The Akoli of now, as it appears over the past handful of fights, will, I think, beat Shishlag and I think it would be a distance or a, or a, a late stoppage at, at most. Uh, if it happens early, then um, I think i would definitely be very sold on coley. but... Uh, you know, before moving up in weight, you know, whether it be, as I said earlier, with the uh, bridge of weight or moving up to heavyweight, which I don't see much uh, point in doing unless he's forced up there. Um, you know, cruiserweight, you should really, I think, go in with the other guys. Um, there's enough good fighters at cruiserweight. He hasn't fought them yet. How will he do? I don't know, but uh, Sunday will be a gauge, a good gauge of um, how good he is, especially as you've got the barometer with, obviously, Makabu, who's one of the current champions against him. Can, and that went on points, I think Shishlak was down once. Um, If Akoli knocks him out, I think that would be making a statement and a good barometer to how Akoli will fare against the other cruiserweight championships, so an interesting fight with that. Um, That's it. I think that's about it for this weekend. There's lots of other fights, but... um, you know, they're the ones which are taking the headlines at the moment. But, uh, yeah, the, the Taylor-Cattrall fight, I think it's too early for Cattrell as well, which is a shame. Um, but there's nothing, there's nothing I think that Cattrell does that, you know, would, would cause Taylor to raise his eyebrows about, apart from Taylor being um, just overconfident. But I just think he's way, way too professional for that. Yep. So based on that, it's going to be, regardless, an early night. And I think probably around mid mid rounds. I think you take it easy first couple of rounds to see what he's got. He would then up the tempo, put the heat on mid round, sort of six six to eight for me. Nice. But my crystal ball sometimes gets it wrong. Apart from that, I'm out.
0: Uh, As it says in Wikipedia, these pound for pound uh, rankings are all subjective. So this is all opinion. And uh, all it takes is one knockout punch and you're down. So and some That's people do not like it a different court. opinion from
1: theirs, <laughs> as one of your comments said. But uh, tough luck, that is mine. You stick to yours. We see who's right.
0: That's right. Good stuff. Well, thanks again for joining us once again on talk and play. Appreciate all your comments and opinions; they are well appreciated. Um, we'll see you next week, next Thursday, for a, another weekly wrap up.
1: I find something really interesting to talk about.
0: Leave it with me. <laughs> I'm sorry.